I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today I'm joined in Los Angeles, California, as always by my co-host Joe, who's back in our hometown of London. And as usual, we have a very special guest on the show as well, joining us from Spain, where they're based these days. He's a former professional referee who officiated at the highest level of English football for over a decade. He's also an ambassador for the Steve Prescott Foundation, which provides funds for those who have been seriously injured playing rugby, as well as those suffering from cancer, a disease that today's guest himself has battled through and overcome. These days, he does punditry work, as well as managing a local football team of over 35s, Orihuela Costa Veteranos. We welcome Mark Halsey to the United Mates Football Podcast. Mark, it is an absolute pleasure to have you as our guest on the podcast. Cheers for joining us. How's it going, mate? Yes, yeah, it's great. Great to be with you. Um, yeah, uh, go from playing, being a goalkeeper to a referee, then becoming a manager. Eh? <laughs> we picked up that first point on Sunday, so in a local derby. <laughs> oh, congrats. Well done. We're going to be talking about all of that, as you mentioned, sort of the playing days and then refereeing and now yeah managing out in in spain as well but um joe my co-host you know what's coming now this okay, is of course yeah. the first podcast that we've recorded since the north london derby and i know that you're keen as a sport <laughs> fan, uh, to talk about that so i'll just give you the floor but uh, otherwise how's it going yeah it's going well i'm i'm happy you know a couple of days have passed since um since the north london derby you mentioned um yeah, that first half was pretty painful viewing for a Spurs fan. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll wait. We'll wait and see how we bounce back. Yeah, it's obviously. Well, if you'd got that penalty, Joe, you never know, do you? Eh? Oh yeah, that's true, Mark. Maybe you would have given it. If you, you given it. <laughs> but it looked at him real time when I was watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I well, unsurprisingly, I agree with you. But um, yeah, Mark, it's honestly um, it's great to have you with us, as um, Kaitel said. And whenever we have a guest on our podcast, we always start with an icebreaker question. So um we've got one for you and the question basically is is that we've we've got on your twitter page mark and we've seen that i think a few months ago now you posted an image basically where you kind of showed what a handball is based on where it hits someone on their sleeve but don't, um, don't, <laughs> don't worry don't worry we've got, we got a different question for you i might get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> but in um i guess footballers are partial to a sleeve of another kind a, a tattoo sleeve a lot of footballers these days have a lot of tattoos so the question we have for you mark is if you were to get a tattoo what would you get and why but we'll give you a bit of time to think about it we'll give you our answers first you can mull over that for a second i'll mm-hmm. i'll go first i mean I, I don't have any tattoos and i don't no. I'm, I'm not, not really... a fan. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure, but I thought I'm a big fan of sushi. It's my favorite takeaway. So maybe I just get some sushi tattooed onto me. Quite random. But there we go. Um but Kai, you um you do have a few tattoos. So if you were going to get another one, what would you get? Yeah, I'm I think eight deep. I'm collecting them at this point. And I've got two for both of my dogs who are behaving very well right now, thankfully. But I've got um 
two from my first two dogs. I've got a third dog now. Um, so I think I would have to get something for him. The first two are Hercules and Zeus. So I've got like ancient Greek letters because of their name. But the other one, he's just called Boogie. So I've actually sort of seen a trend recently where you can get sort of the silhouette of your dog's ears if you take a picture and someone will, will kind of tattoo a silhouette. And he's got an interesting sort of way that his ears are. One of them sort of flops down and the other one, the tip of it is missing. So it'd be kind of a unique thing. I think I need to pay homage to Boogie because um, I've already got the others for my dogs. But Joe, is it like a, a tuna roll or a, a spicy salmon roll or something that you're getting? Yeah, it's probably going to be like salmon nigiri, I think, <laughs> if, if, if I had to go. But yeah, that, that's potentially that's what I'd go for. But um, Mark, you've, you've had a bit of time to think. I know you said you, you're you not a big fan of tattoos, but if you had to get one, what would it be and why? If, if I had to get one, it'd be my beloved uh, team, QPR, be the emblem, the badge on me. So that's that's my team. I'd have that on, you know, on me, on my legs, so everybody can see where I'm out in sunny Spain, walking on the beach. Uh, you know, we're on our way back. Hopefully, we're playing Birmingham City tonight, so I'm hoping that uh, we can pick up a a, a, a win. You know, I'm suffering uh, three defeats in the last three games, um, so yeah, that that would be my uh, my tattoo on on my body. <laughs> It's good to know that we're all, I guess, fans of, of London clubs. And yeah, hopefully we can have QPR back in the Premier League as another well, London yeah, club yeah. sooner rather I mean, I've than I've refereed many uh, Tottenham Arsenal games over the years. <laughs> well, we'll have to ask you about that, I think, in, in a Ooh. bit. But on from um, beautiful body art to the beautiful game. And uh, at first, we want to focus on football in your youth, Mark, because you mentioned it earlier as, as a goalkeeper. You were a non-league footballer for quite a while back in the day. And I'd say that's a level of the game where typically you have to really love the sport to stick it out for so many years so I can only assume that you were football mad as a child but I guess tell us where that passion comes from what made you sort of fall in love with football in the first place I think obviously being uh in, in me in my junior school uh, we never started playing football in that back in the day until we were like 10 years of age that's when you started in your junior school before you, you know, had one year left and then you moved on to your secondary school um I, I played my first game in midfield um didn't do very well and the next game we were struggling for a goalkeeper and my um schoolmaster put me in, in goals and that's where I stayed for, for all my days. So, you know, um, sort of spent three seasons at Tottenham as a schoolboy, um, got released because uh, I didn't have the, the, the desire and the dedication that I, I should have had. Um, had I known now, well, then what I know now, then I most probably would have made it. But um, I then drifted into non-league football at um, Hartford Town, St Albans, Cambridge City, Welling Garden City. Um, so yeah, loved, loved, loved every minute of it, and obviously wasn't badly paid either in back in that in that day. So being a, a semi-professional footballer, um, so yeah, I spent what from the age of sixteen up to the age of twenty-eight playing non-league football. It was just just down the road. Not whereabouts do you live? I'm I'm in northwest London, sort of West Hampstead area. Oh, West Hampstead. We should be sporting Tottenham there, should you? Actually. <laughs> Should be QBR. Yeah, I mean, I mean, pro I probably am closer to them. Yeah, it's our local club from our childhood. Well, yeah, when well, we, my brother's involved in uh, local football, he manages where FC in the, in the Southern League. So, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so they've got their big day on Saturday playing Kidderminster Harrys in, I think, the third qualifying round of the FA Cup. So it's a oh, big nice. day for, for where, yeah. Oh, yeah. Down at, down at Wisdom Park in West. That's a massive day for your brother. So, oh, yeah. Well, Best of luck to wear. Hopefully, hopefully they can, you know, beat the Harriers. But um, <laughs> Mark, obviously, we've spoken a bit about you. You played you football. You, you know, you were in the Spurs Academy. You played non-league football. But then, obviously, you've gone on to become a referee. So, I guess my question is, um, 
what was the key factor behind that decision to transition from the playing side of the game to the official well, side? Well, I mean, listen, people say you've got to be mad to be a goalkeeper, but even worse to become a referee. So I've done them both, haven't I? Um, it's interesting because um, I used to play for, uh, you know, back in the day in the Welling Hatfield Sunday League. And it used to be, you know, in those days, it was very strong. The league was very strong on a Sunday morning because, you know, who you played with on a Saturday, you knew you used to play against them on a Sunday. So yeah, you were teammates on a Saturday and play against each other on a Sunday. And um, I played for a, a team called Wellingborough when I was younger. And uh, it was a good friend of mine, Russell Foster, who we recently lost through COVID and everything. So um, he, he was a centre-half and I played in goal for his team called Wellingborough. And he was, he, honestly, some of the things he got up to on the football pitch by kicking people, punching people, elbowing people and got away with it, you know, you know, and he became a referee. I couldn't believe, you know, he became a referee and he, and he was, he, he became good at it and he refereed in the Wellington Hatfield Sun League and got into the Ishmael League. And um, I love my cricket as well. I played, I played cricket for 20 years in the, in the Hartford Cricket League for her team called Hatfield Hyde. And his, his garden backed onto our cricket field. And obviously, in, you know, when you're, you're batting, you all walk around that, that, that outer, the boundary, putting the world to rights and he always used to, grab hold of me, Mark, why don't you become a referee? Come on, come do what I've done. I said, Russ, I have got no interest whatsoever of becoming a referee. You know where you can go and stick that idea. <laughs> so, you know, he kept on at me all summer and it finally got to me because I was falling out of love a little bit with playing football. And um, I said, okay, then I'll make you a deal because you have to take an eight, you have to take an eight week course and then sit in the exam. And I couldn't be asked to do that. So I just said to him, listen, look, if I can, if I can read the laws of the game, and revise the laws of the game and take an exam, I'll do it. And he come back to me and said, yeah, we've got, got permission for you to do that. And I've done it and I passed and I never looked back. You know, that was, you know, from 1988, 89. I never, you know, I gave up playing. I was, I was then playing at Welling Garden City. Um, so I was sort of playing and, and refereeing on, on a Sunday. So I was playing Saturdays and midweek and refereeing on a, on a, uh, on a Sunday. And then it sort of started getting, I started getting, I was, I was obviously good at it. And uh, then I had to sort of make that decision whether to to quit play actual playing and then concentrate on my refereeing in, in, in the county league on, on, on a Saturday. Because if I was sent off and suspended by playing football, then I was also suspended from refereeing as well. So I had to be, uh, you have to be very careful when you have that rush of blood as a goalkeeper come airing out of your box to, to clear the ball. So... It eventually, I sort of um, sort of started refereeing at the weekends and then helping running garden midweek when they were short of a goalkeeper. So I was refereeing at the weekends and playing, you know, semi-professional football midweek um, when 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 needed, and then sort of made that transition straight over, just quit playing and just concentrated on um, on refereeing. And, and lucky for me, I sort of you know went up through the leagues and um, pretty quickly got promotion pretty quickly. And so saying, you know, never look back and sort of. Well, not sure whether I was going to enjoy it. I mean, when I was um, when when I was refereeing in the Hearts County League reserve reserve division, because you're on your own. I was used to being in a dressing room with like 16, 17 players having a great laugh, and you know, taking the Mickey out of each other. And all of a sudden, you go to a dressing room all on your Jack Jones, and and that's it. So you know, you, you was on your own. You turned up, refereed the game, and went home. Whereas with the lads, you know, you had a you done the game, had your shower and went in the bar after the game and, uh, you know, had, had, had a good time. So, but I overcome that and, um, as I say, moved on and, uh, you know, as I say, the rest is all history.
Yeah, no, it's it's certainly the rest certainly is history, and I think you made the right choice because I mean, obviously, you spoke about your your rise up the leagues from you know the Hearts leagues right up to the Premier League, and I think you 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 stayed in the top flight for about fourteen years at least. 14, 15 years, yeah. 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 So you nineteen ninety six to two thousand fourteen. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, you you you, yeah. you were there for a long time, and there were there were a number of um, really exciting moments along the way. And I think probably most notably for me as a Spurs fan, you ref the um, the two thousand eight Carling Cup final, which yeah. is sadly the last time we actually won a trophy. I, I, was there that day. <laughs> I remember, remember it very well. <laughs> great, great oh, day, great oh, day. That was fantastic day. But um, sort of sort of going on from that, obviously that's probably my sort of favourite moment of your career. But is there um. <laughs> Is there any moment from your that sort of time in the top flight um, that you remember the most fondly, and if so, why? Um, listen, I mean, I, I had some great times, some great, you know, some referees, some great, great, truly great players, you know, some legends of the game, and then obviously got the PGML and, and the Premier League a lot to thank for for making us, letting us be, go professional. So uh, you know, I had, a, I had a wonderful career. Um, I probably didn't achieve what perhaps my ability. Um, should have should have done, um, but that's down to you know other personnel. You can't you can't you can't change that. But I think I think if I'm looking back, um, you know, over my career, I'm, you know, as I say, I've had many big games and cup finals and all, all sorts of games. Um, and I think I, I think there's one there's one game that really stands out in my mind. Obviously, you know, we, we, you spoke of you, you, you touched on my illness um, when I came back from battling cancer when I was told that perhaps I wouldn't survive. And if I did, I would never, ever referee again. And I think that game, I think that game at, um, you know, when I came back, uh, Wigan Blackpool, that, that, that uh, 2011, 12 season, I think it was. Um, I think that was, that's the game that uh, really sticks out in my mind because I shouldn't have really been there to do it. And I was, so that's, um, that, I think that sticks out, especially after, you know, with my wife as well, she's battling leukemia and, um, it was a tough time for the family at that at that in in, in that stage of uh, of our lives. So um, I think if I look back on that, I think that was that that was a game that um, that you know I was I was back and I did I did struggle I struggled I struggled immensely. You know I've, I've undergoing chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Um, my, my body took took a massive massive hit and it was I found it. A mountain to climb, and I say I've climbed Kilimanjaro, and that, you know, a mountain to climb. But um, uh, and I really did find it do, and I never thought I could see the way. I could never, I never thought I could see myself getting back in, into the top level just solely because the fitness. And um, you know, I, 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 you know, I done well. I got back. I, you know, I think I failed a few fitness tests. I eventually, got failed. You know, never failed a fitness test in my life. Never, ever. And obviously, coming back from that, I, I failed a couple, um, and that, that that really got to me and upset me. To be fair, and um, so yeah, I think um, and I think I spent three another three seasons um, refereeing. But then my body was telling me, Mark, I can't can't take it anymore. My body told me that was it. After you know battling the you know having the leukemia, sorry the um, the, the treatments um, that. Body just said no, no more. I just couldn't, just couldn't handle the the training regime and everything I had to do. And that's why I sort of um, and a couple of other things. Why I sort of you know, to, decided to retire from the game. Well, what an achievement, given the the many big games and rise through the leagues. But obviously, this is quite a personal journey in terms of coming back and, and battling against cancer. I can see you're wearing. I think is it the Livestrong 
bracelet. I know yeah, this is kind yeah, of a... yeah, yeah. Steve Prescott one and the Lithstrom. Yeah, I've always yeah. As soon as, well, as soon as I had my as soon as I had my operation, and um, then it, obviously the, the tumor grew back, and then I had to go into the the Christie up in Manchester, fantastic hospital. Um, you know, to to, to undergo me um, me treatment. That's when uh, um, you know I've got this. I've, you know, I've got this, and um, you know it's about the Lithstrom. I know, obviously. People look at it now. Is that the right thing to wear? What went on with with Lance? But mm. he was he, he was at that time he was a hero of mine for what for what he went through. Um, so, but you know, but the Livestrong still lives on. Yeah, well, it's quite nostalgic the the Livestrong and the, the Lance Armstrong times and stuff. So we're going to keep the the nostalgia flowing, and we are going to continue to look back a bit at, at your career quickly. I've got sort of some some quick fire questions for you, Mark, and I guess in your years refereeing you would have officiated over probably maybe even thousands of individuals especially when you sort of considered the, the coaching teams on the sidelines as, as well so I guess from that pool and from the teams that you've you've um, refereed the first question here is who was your favorite player to referee um listen I did I, I wouldn't say I, I had a favorite player um I, I got on with I got on with all the players. I mean, listen, there were there were there are were players that are always in your ear, the likes of Craig Bellamy and Danny Mills. You know, always you know always in your ear. You know, used to get on your nerves. But that's that that's football. You know, they they do what they do, and I have to sort of um, I'm there to to officiate and, and tell them what I think. They used to tell me what you know. They used to tell me what they thought, and I used to give it back to them. But um, that, that goes on in the football pitch, and you have to engage with the players um, in, in their language. And that's how you get their respect. You get their respect from your accent, your decision-making, and the way you talk to them and engage. Um, so, listen, I, I, I've, I've, um, I got on with all the players. Um, yeah, we had moments on the pitch, some of us. Um, but, you know, we'd all come off shaking hands and, and, and having a laugh and a joke while the game was going on as well. And you can still do that. You know, you can use still use common sense and refereeing. You can referee with a personality because that's what football's all about. You know, we need referees with natural ability and personality. And, and I think I had that. And I think that's why the players um, sort of, you know, I got on with the players. I didn't I didn't really have one favourite player. I just got on with all I just got on with all the players. I had some great I had some great rapports on 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 the field with 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 many players, you know. Danny Mills at uh, sorry not Danny Mills at um, Danny Murphy at, when he was at Fulham you know, when he was captain at Fulham we had we had some conversations I can't say on here obviously what some of the conversations same with Stephen Gerrard and Jordan Henderson and you know and Alan Shearer all, all all the big Gary 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 Neville and Phil Neville and Patrick Vieira had some had some moments with Patrick great you know great player um, but uh, yeah listen. It, I, I, I haven't got any one favourite player. I just, I just got on with all of them, and that, that was that was my that was the way I, I got on with people by, by engaging with them and smiling with them. Yeah, and that's good to hear. And, and and telling them where to get off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think it makes sense that sort of a big personality as a referee is going to sort of mesh well with inevitably these big personalities on on the football pitch. And it's yeah, good to hear that it sort of goes both ways. I think I've heard some interviews with footballers who mentioned that they they appreciate the referees' personalities and not being too sort of formal, I guess, about the whole process. And it seems like you were able to, to accomplish all of that. But I guess I'm going to press you maybe a bit further on this next one because what I've got lined up is your, your least favourite player. But you might be probably too diplomatic to, to say, so maybe I can ask, who made your life the most difficult instead? Um, I, I made my life most difficult. Um, I just mentioned two players. 
<laughs> Ellamy Dan, and Danny Mills. Da, da, Danny Mills and Craig Bellamy because they're okay. always, always at you, always making it difficult. Yeah, you could never win with them. You could never win mm-hmm. until and, and, until Danny went to Man City because he thought I was a big Man City fan, and then he behaved <laughs> himself with me. He liked me, <laughs> but um, no, listen, I've got, listen, I, I've got on well, with, I've got on well with them, but they they were two players that were always moaning to me, always moaning. Was there a manager that was either? Again, maybe the most difficult to keep in check, or maybe the most memorable um, relationship that you would have had, or any names in terms of no, managers. Well, again, you know, I got on managers. I got on with all managers. You know, there, there, there were times where um, managers uh, we agreed to disagree. Um, where you know we had discussions after the dressing room in the dressing room. I mean, Little Warnock was one of us. He'd always come banging on my door, <laughs> always come banging on my door. But you know, got on very well with him. You know, he'd come and say his piece, and you agreed to disagree. I always remember him coming into my change room at, 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 at uh, when he was manager at Sheffield United, banging on my door. Marcus only Neil said, Neil, I don't want to speak to you. <laughs> get lost do one and he said no Mark I only want to come in and tell you what a good game I thought you had I said oh well can you come Neil when you come because that's very that's very rare but um, no listen uh, you got with, with managers you've got when you've got to understand that um, you know um, their frustrations and the pressures that are on managers and and you've got to understand that you've got you've got to understand the pressures that they're under and um, and, I, and, I, and I sort of understood that you know you You've got to show a little bit of common sense when you're dealing with, especially as a, especially as a fourth official, and and yeah, and as referees, we have to we have to show um, empathy for the game. We have to show a little bit of empathy for the game, um, and that's what I always used to do. With you know, having having played the game at a reasonable level, you you understand. You know, I always used to like to referee games. I oh, sorry, I used to like play. You know, play with referees that would speak to me and laugh with me and joke with me and have a smile on their face because it makes a massive difference. I remember we were refereeing Stoke, I think Stoke City and uh, Blackburn when they were in the Premier League and uh, Kenwin Jones, I've come out to warm up and Kenwin Jones was coming out at the same time. He put his arm around, he said, when we saw you come out, we were so pleased because we thought we had, we had someone else today. But when we saw you, we were so pleased we had you. So that sort of, you know, I was a replacement. So, <laughs> but um that, that, that shares the measure of, of, of some players, you know, what, what they think of, of certain referees. And players do know referees. They do know their referees. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that because obviously they teams and the players put so much prep into, the you know, the next game and it can all sort of maybe from the sounds of things get not necessarily spoiled, but a bit of a twist can kind of come in if, if quote unquote, maybe the wrong referee yeah, yeah. or the referee that they don't yeah. necessarily want to play in that game uh, with comes, comes along. Again, sounds like you were pretty well embraced by by these players and then on uh, Neil Warnock he obviously I think what was trained as a, a referee as well so he's got a bit of a he background was, yeah. so he knows yeah. he knows his stuff I guess fair, fair enough Neil but I'm going to ask a couple more of these questions and you mentioned having refereed in North London derbies in the in the past so I guess on that note of rivalries is there a most heated or intense rivalry game that you've refereed in or, or sort of a series of of rivalries between two clubs um, this is, I mean, this is, it's always been always tough games. Um, I think the one, I think the standout one was uh, when it was, you know, White Hart Lane. I think it was your invincible season. I think it was, oh, yeah. I think <laughs> most probably was, it may have been the last game or second to last game. It was late season. on, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it uh, 2 2 2? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
when I, I awarded a penalty in the last minute for oh, uh, Lehman versus uh, Robbie Keane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jans Lehman was being a bit of an idiot like he always was, you know, <laughs> yep, on the field yep. when, when, when callers are coming across. I mean, that was a, that was a super game. Um, I always remember that one. And uh, obviously, oh, I mean, it was, I think that was the, the, when you won the league, didn't you? That's how much you was in, in, Invincibles that season, I yeah. think it was, wasn't it? And I yeah, think I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that was in, that was very intense and difficult. But as, as it was when I refereed a few games at Highbury and you know mm. the Emirates, it was always 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 tough games, always tough games. And you had to yeah, you had to be on you know you, you had to be mentally tough and your concentration levels had to be at the top up the top. Because if you if you dropped off and you, you 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 and especially when that tempo went up and you wasn't focused, then you something would happen and you wouldn't get you wouldn't get it right. So it was very you know always intense and. As referees, you go out very nervous. Once you blow that whistle, you're fine. And you know, once you make that first decision and you've got that first decision right in the, in, in the first minute, your your body, your stature just you just go ten feet tall, and you know you're going to have a good game today. But you know you've got to be on the money. So, yeah, because I mean, you know, the, the players they 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 make you and the, and the crowd make you that you've got to have a good game. You can't you can't drop away because if you do. Then the players, the players know. The players know when the referees having a different game. Mm. Yes, sounds like a very solitary place to be, and under a lot of pressure. And either you can, yeah, thrive under that pressure, or it can kind of get. Yeah, get you've the got best to be mentally you. tough. You've got to yeah. be mentally tough. Otherwise, you wouldn't make you wouldn't get you wouldn't make that level. Well, speaking of sort of making that level and being a good referee, this last question in the quickfire sort of section that I have for you is. Which player that you refereed in your day do you think themselves would actually make a good referee? Oh, not not too many. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, there's a lot. There was a lot of players that tried to tell you out referee, and I sort of offered them the whistle, but they didn't want to know. They declined. Um, no, no, really. I think um, you know. I think listen. I was one of those one, one of those ex players that um, you know become referee and become a good referee. Don't mean to say ex players will become good referees. I think it's just it just becomes natural as it, as it did to me, but. I think I just oh, I don't know. Looking at I mean, looking back over the years, um, I know uh, Jordan Henderson used to like you know referee the games. That is Stephen Gerrard. So, uh, but as I say, I got on very well with those two. Um, so there's, there's many, there's many, there's many teams and captains. I mean, John Terry is, is another one. Yeah, you know, he used to try and referee the game for you. I mean, when he sort of uh, it's funny with, with John. I got on well with John because he always used to come in, in because he was he, he always liked to chat to the referee. He always used to like to chat to me, and he always used to come with a team sheet with his managers. And as soon as he walked into my dressing room, I used to tap him around the face. He says, "When I bring the team sheets in, why do you always tap? You know, slap me around the face?" He says, "Because I can't do it out there." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, we, we got we got on well. I mean, you know, there's, 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 I suppose there's most probably many players out there. Um, that could, um, you know, become referees, but not so sure with the, the 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 guys at the top that are making millions. You know, they don't need to do it. I think, you know, if we're looking, I think if we're looking for retail, uh, progression planning, I think we have to look to, you know, League One and League Two, and mm. perhaps the, the the National League um, for referees, because obviously they don't they don't. Um, you know, come in their thirties, they're looking to looking for something else. So they don't earn a great deal of money, no. um, and perhaps they could they they then could perhaps become become referees, take the course, and then I think I think what we need to adapt in or adopt in in in, in refereeing world is that if you look at if you look at cricket, the amount of ex players that go into umpiring in, in cricket, 
um, they start off in the second eleven. They don't start right down at the bottom at club level or, or, or village cricket level. They start at the second eleven, and then they obviously go in there, and then, then they go up, elevate into the county and obviously the international panel. Well, I think that perhaps you know referees or, or ex players in League One and League Two and the National League looking perhaps to have a go at refereeing should start refereeing in the National League. That's where they that's where they do their training. They pass out, do their training, and then and then move up. You, know, you, you can't ask X, you know, because players players do know how players tackle. And you know, if you're going in the wrong way, or you've gone or you've gone in with the wrong leg, or you, you've gone over the top. You always know when a as a player when a, a player miscontrols you and he's stretching and struggling to get to that ball is going to be a he's going to make a bad challenge. So for me, I would I would, I would definitely look at you know. Um, ex-players from League One and Two in the National League to perhaps look at taking up refereeing. And it's, 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 it's a good salary. You know, they can, they can make a good salary. They can, they can, they're young, they're still young enough to get on to perhaps, the, you know, to make it right to the top and get onto the, the FIFA panel, the international panel. Yeah, the more we talk about it, sort of the more obvious the benefits of keeping experienced players of the game in in the game from the other side of, of it as a referee. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, the benefits that, that can come with that. But then also it sounds like a lot more could be done to incentivize kind of that route in the, the first place. Absolutely. So hopefully, hopefully things will change. But bringing things forward to, to today on, on sort of a wider scale of refereeing, I guess, as is the nature of the game, obviously things evolve and refereeing has certainly evolved a lot for, for better or for worse. So I think some recent and progressive alterations to laws about things like offsides, handballs, and the last man rule have felt quite positive. But then when it comes to VAR and the game as a spectator sport, some of the excitement and that kind of ability to live in the moment seems to have been lost uh, in particular for let, fans. Let, yeah, Go on. Let me, just, let, let me just uh, go back on it. There's no last man rule. No, no rule. It's the laws. There's no last man law. It's did that player deny a goal or a goal scoring opportunity? Exactly. I missed both, but not, what I'm saying is I life. like it. Yeah, I like the change oh, yeah. that they made. Yeah, because in the past you thought last man equals red card, but now it's if an attempt to play the ball has been has been well, made. If he, ma- if he makes a genuine attempt to play the ball inside the penalty area, uh-huh. then it'd be a penalty and a yellow card. Exactly. But if he makes a genuine attempt outside the penalty area, he's still going to get a red card. Oh, in that case, maybe I maybe I've, uh, I've muddled up my lines, but um, one, one yeah. way or another. Um, thanks for for clearing that up. That's a yellow card for you. That's a yeah, yeah. Card. I'm on I'm on my last warning. Yeah, at this point, so I'll have to keep keep the rest of it a bit more tight than that. But I guess you know, as you've yeah cleared that up for me, and you're the expert in this situation, Mark. The big question kind of is, what are your thoughts on VAR and the the general sort of standard of of modern well, day refereeing? Well, I, I think that. Um... I think in in the Premier League we've struggled to implement VAR correctly um, with the IFAB protocol. That's that's one thing. It's good. Last season they were, you know, FIFA took over and they instructed um, Mike Riley that the the, the the English referees have to view the monitor. They cannot let the VAR make that decision. That's that, that's not the protocol. You know, if there's a if, if VAR recommended a review. Then the, 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 the on-field referee has to go and view the monitors. That so that that that, that was good. Um, and the other thing for me is a clear and obvious error. We we were getting uh, officials, VAR officials, just re-refereeing the game, re-refereeing the game. 
Um, and that's not what it's there for. It's there, you know, it's there for the howler. That's what VAR is there for. And it seems to be, we started off positive this season and we seem to be creeping. We've had, we've had some inconsistencies this season regarding, you know, um, free kicks leading up to a clear error, leading up to a goal scored. We've had a few instances where a free kick's been given and a couple of occasions where free kicks haven't been given. We think, well, hang on, if they give one at Man City, um, against uh, I think it was against Norwich and then the following day you had I think there was one at Southampton and Man United where I think Fernandez was was fouled on Southampton on the build up to Southampton's um, goal so there's inconsistencies there one was disallowed one wasn't disallowed wasn't one was checked and one wasn't checked or it were both checked but one was seen as a foul one wasn't seen as a foul so we need that consistency and another, on those situations they're not clear and obvious errors. So why is VAR get involved? Um, so I think I think we've seen a positive um, up until the international break. But all of a sudden, you know, we saw last I think it was last week. Well, I think it was West Ham, Man United, um, where I think there was there was four big penalty shouts in the game, and well, for me, there should have been four penalties given, um, and only one was one out of the four. And there was two on Ronaldo, what I thought were absolutely nailed on. And obviously there was one for West Ham on Silchek when he got taken out just on the edge of the penalty area, and and they don't they don't give the, the clear handball one. It's recommended a review by VAR, but they didn't review the other three that were equally um, for me clearing up these errors. So we've, I think there's still a bit more work to be done there um, with with VAR. Um, I think the standard of officiating. Um, I think that. We've got some super referees out there. I think, you know, obviously our best referee is uh, by far Michael Oliver. Um, obviously followed by, you've got Anthony Taylor, an experience of Mike Dean and Andre Mariner and Martin Atkinson. And unfortunately, I think as you get older, you sort of, you, you, you sort of, your, your performances sort of dip, take a dip. And that's, that's only natural because when you get into, into your 50s, you know, you, 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 you're not thinking as, as fast as you normally do when, like when if you're, you know, in your early 40s or 45. So, but I think we've got some good youngsters coming through with, um, with and, and Andy Madley. Um, I think, you know, Paul Tierney's making his mark. Chris Kavanagh, Kav, um, he, he, he seems, uh, you know, a, a, bright, a bright future. Um, so, um, yeah, listen, I, I, for me, it's, I, I, I think, the referee standards have declined over the last 10 years. Um, we've got to look at our progression planning. And we've spoke briefly about, you know, getting referees, ex-players in, in, into the game. But for, for me, the one, for me, one thing for me is that football coaches turn average players into good players, good players into excellent players. That's no different to referee coaches. And unfortunately, we have a severe lack of top referee coaches at the highest level to bring these referees through. Um, and I think that's where we are severely lacking at, 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 at the level, all levels of the game with, with quality um, referee coaches. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, the, those coaches will start to come through. And like you said, if there's a, you know, a good sort of younger generation of referees emerging, that can only um, be a good thing. And hopefully uh, VAR, like you said, generally it seems to be better this year with the odd thing creeping in but I feel like I feel like on the whole there's less controversy than last year when like you said the it was just being 
I don't know. There, it was bizarre. Some of the things that were happening. Well, it's yeah, all go. over the place. Really. I, I, I think. I think if we look at Euro twenty twenty, that was fantastic. The refereeing um, was was superb, and that was and that's all down to the leadership and the direction of Roberto Rossetti. Um, so you know that that that's that that's 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 the that's the key. The leadership and direction. I think. I think the leadership and direction from the PGR management at present is not what it should be. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I'd agree with that. But like you said, all positive from Euro twenty twenty. Um, but on a, a different note, as a referee, so at the moment, not just in football, in the wider society, but you know, and it, racism in football is is very evident. Both on social media, we see it a lot, but unfortunately, in the in the stands, it can still happen and. It, there, there are incidents sometimes you've, we've seen it over the years where fans have been accused of being racist and so on. And as a referee, do well, I don't know if, it, if you were sort of ever trained with this, but do you think at present referees are, are given adequate training to deal with these highly unsavory incidents when there is sometimes? Yeah, yeah. well, there, 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 there is a protocol um, to referees. And listen, I'm, I, I think. Um, there is a, there is a protocol that you know if they, if if they don't hear it or the, or the players do and the captains do, um, they approach the referee, they go to the you know the the, the safety steward, uh, the manager who's who's the safety manager, um, and then obviously inform the managers, inform everybody. There's a there's a message that comes out on on the tannoy, um, and then the, the referees have the power. If it continues, the referees have the power. To take the players off and, and 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 abandon the game, fortunately, that's never happened in 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 the Premier League or in the Football League, and we don't want to see that. We don't want that. Um, I think that you know abuse and racism in 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 society and in in all forms of sport is is, is got to stop because it's just despicable for me to to me. And I think you know we're all one. We're all we're all one. And I think the social media companies are going to do a lot, lot more than what they're doing now. And, and, and it's not going to stop because we, it just keeps going on and on and on. It's not going to stop until, you know, something comes in or the, or the police have the power to send these guys to jail. You know, give them a, give them a prison sentence. You know, they lose their job then, wouldn't they? They won't, do it, they won't do it again. And it's something that's got to stop in society. Abuse. I mean, I suffered a horrendous abuse myself and my family well after I retired and well I was still refereeing as well um some uh, horrendous horrendous abuse towards my little girl I mean I couldn't tell you what what was what was sent to me um regarding my little girl and and the thing that annoyed me was I mean the police the police wanted to take action they wanted to now these people that 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 sent these unforgivable abuse um but Twitter would not give them the account Twitter would not release the account to, to the police. The police were mortified. You know, if you if if you saw what was sent through to me regarding my wife and my my little girl, you wouldn't you would you wouldn't believe. You just would not believe what they want to do to her. Um, and 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 that and there lies the problem. There lies the problem. And that was 2014, 2013, 14, and we're still talking about it now. It's still going on. Yeah, when it comes to especially social media the anonymity of it all is is this uh, double-edged sword that in these types of situations it, it, you know we're talking about kind of legal matters essentially and it, it's a, it's a roadblock and it's um absolutely it, it's all i guess a new thing that we're working through in the age of the you know 
I shouldn't say the age of the internet, like it's a new dawn thing, but you know, in this age that we live in, it, it, it's, we're all figuring it out, but this is, is yeah. just, it's wrong. Um, otherwise on the a lighter note, we are going to just, before we finish up, move back to something that you're up to these days. And I referenced it at the top of the show. Um, it seems like it's, it's something you're quite proud of is, is managing Orihuela Costa Veteranos, this team of, of over 35s that I mentioned. And, you know, you've, you've been a player, you've been a ref and now you're a, a manager. So would you, I guess, reflecting on these different experiences, have one that you maybe enjoy the most? I know you've had different lengths of time that you've been able to dedicate to them so far, but as a just pure experience, what, what do you enjoy the most playing, refing, managing? Um, listen, I, I love, I love playing. I love me refereeing days and now I'm back. I mean, I, I, I came back here. I played as, I was a goalkeeper for a couple of years. Uh, went back to playing goal for the Vecchiano. So I'm still, you're still playing like an 8v8 as well, mm -hmm. twice a week as well. So, um, yeah, listen, I have to be careful because they all know who I am. Even the team, the <laughs> Spanish teams, they all know who I am. And I have to be, I have to be careful. And sometimes, you, that, you know, having been a referee for, for, for 20 odd years and standing on the side, becoming a manager and seeing some of the, you know, some of the decisions that the referee makes. So you just sometimes have to, have to, have to bite your lip because, you know, on Sunday, I was, you know, the referee, the goalkeeper, Drop the ball, put the ball on the floor, roll it along with his foot along the floor, and then he picks it up. <laughs> you can't do that. Referee, what are you doing? You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, but no, listen, I, I do enjoy it. I take the I take the training as well on a Thursday. We train on a Thursday. Um, we're allowed, we're you know, we're allowed to sign five players between 30 and 35, but only three can play, and all the rest have to be over over 35. But you know, I still referee in the league as well. So the teams okay. we play, they see they they see me as a referee as well. So because I referee in the league as well, as well as managing the league, you know, a team in the league. So it's good, it's good fun. I, I I just love I just love football. You know, I've been involved in football since I was what nine, eight, nine, ten. Um so yeah, I just 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 love just love football. And I think I think if I if I think if I had someone like um if Keith Hackett was still in charge um when he retired in 2007, I most probably would have stayed on most probably for a couple of more seasons because he I think you know as Referees are no different to players. Some of us need to be loved. Some of us need a, a kick up the backside. And uh, Keith Ackett knew how to do that. And I think he would have kept me on for another one or two years and, and managed me better than perhaps I was managed before. You know, after he'd gone, I should say. That would have been interesting to see. But I guess on your team, one more question. Are, are they the best behaved players in the league? And do they never do any foul throws, presumably? Yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I've, um, they've been warned. Um, obviously, we have to, we have to put uh, 50 euros to the league because um, every time we pick up a yellow card, they, they take, they take the money out of the 50 euros that, um, that's, that's held by the league. So, um, yeah, we only we picked up we picked up one caution in two games. We played two games. We played we've had one caution. We're we're at the top of the fair play league at the moment. Um, I was disappointed with the caution we received on Sunday because one of my players took a quick free kick. And if you do that out here, the Spanish referees don't like it. And he, he cautioned him for taking a quick free kick. So you know, I just said I just said to the referee, "Oh, come on, referee, just calm down. You didn't just talk to him. Talk to the player. Talk to him." But listen, they're, 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 they're totally different out here, the Spanish referees. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear um, that the veteranos, you know, they're, they're a well-behaved team. And, you know, all the... <laughs> <laughs> they, they are with me because they get warm before we go out. So um, they get, if they get caution for descent, then they, I, I take the money off them. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very, <laughs> but follow nice. us. You can follow us on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Oh, we're on, well. We're on, we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter as well. 
Oh, brilliant! Well, actually, yeah, that's um, that's good timing, Mark. Actually, because that we've um, we've come to the end of um the podcast today. So I just um just want to thank my co-host Kaitel, but obviously also a massive thank you to you, Mark. And we, you know, we've really appreciated you coming on. But what I was going to ask you, which is quite handy, is how can our listeners kind of best follow you and kind of keep up to date with everything that you're doing? Uh, yeah, listen. Obviously, I'm I'm on I'm on Twitter um, at referee Halsey. Um, and obviously our team, Ori Costa Vecchianos, that's that's on there on Twitter as well. And obviously, I was, you know, I write in a, a national newspaper for all you know big big decisions. You most probably would have seen my my column on on Monday in the in the Sun newspaper regarding uh, the the instance of uh, oh, yes. at, uh, at the Emirates and uh, with, with the penalty that Harry should have had, and he should have had a penalty. I'm not oh. sure our um, our uh, the referee. Uh, didn't didn't see that in real time because, um, like I say, if that if that had been given, it could have been a, a different game, couldn't it? Different, so, yeah. You know, big big mo- big moment of the game, that big big moment. So, but yeah, so they you know they can uh, obviously talk sport. I'm on talk sport most Mondays, um, so there we are. Yeah, on that North London derby incident, I'll be the first to admit that I also thought that it should have been a, a foul on Ben White and a penalty, but I'm also going to be the first to say that I, I'm not complaining uh, whatsoever about, about that decision that did end up standing. To, to Mark, thanks again. Um, best of luck um, in all of your endeavours to with the, the veteranos as well, and best wishes to you and your, your family. Otherwise, uh, to our listeners, if you enjoyed that conversation, please do follow the pod wherever it is that you like to stream your favorite podcasts. Just look for United Mates Football Podcast. You can find us the same way on YouTube if you want to put some faces to these voices. Don't forget to click that subscribe button while you're at it. On social media, we're at United Mates FP across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So give us a follow there. And then for all of that content and more in one place, visit the website. That's unitedmatesfp.com. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.